Pull up a bar stool. We got a little special episode today. This will be a first time ever. We've been doing the pubcast for what, three years? It's been a while. I don't believe we've ever had two guests at the same time. So, three people. Uh, both Andrew, our friend Andrew Foxwell, but also Molly McCarty of 3Q Digital. There is going to be a ton of Facebook ads, advanced Facebook ads, experience, Mari uh, Storm, my words, in one pub. So, great stuff. Now, before we get started, a uh, little, little news for you. If you've ever thought about joining the Power Hitters Club, it's my, my private membership. Go to johnlimmer.com slash phc because big news, big, big news. So not only am I making a big push uh, towards the annual membership, giving you a huge discount, the one that I offered at the very beginning when I launched this baby an hour, uh, a year and a half ago. So $5.94 a year for annual, or it's $94 a month. But you're also going to get access to every single workshop, past and present and future, uh, as long as you stay a member. Um, and those workshops that sell for $147 a piece, and I do them every two months. We've already done four of them. So you could just do it for that alone. We've got the Facebook group. We've got weekly webinars where I'm going to keep you up to date on everything going on. Again, the, not only is it $97 a month normally, but... The annual price is $970 normally, and we're giving it to you at $594. It's kind of an experiment. See where it goes. And kind of my way of saying thank you. Go to johnlimber.com slash phc to learn more. Join me there. All right, let's do this. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLimmer.com and John Limmer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week I invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. So this week, got a little, uh, little special today. Not only do we have our friend Andrew Foxwell, but we also have Molly McCarty, Senior Account Manager from 3Q Digital. So honestly... We're only having Andrew on so that we could find a way to also get Molly on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Molly's more important. But uh, so, so yeah, Molly and, and Andrew go, go way back. They, they used to work together at 3Q Digital. And Molly's still there, senior account manager, managing upwards of a million dollars per month in Facebook ads. Uh, Andrew, you'll, you'll wait here. Molly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here in this virtual pub. Yeah. It's a great place to be. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, so you, we're on the podcast, but you're going to be our sober driver today. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And because uh, we, we, we always need that. Sometimes, sometimes Andrew and, our, and I aren't particularly responsible. So it's good to have you here. Uh, Andrew, what are you working on, my friend? Well, I tell you, I've got a six point resin IPA. Um, which is a pretty beef, pretty beefy beer for the morning, I feel like. So, oh, that okay. crack? I heard that crack. You know, it's a tall, thin can. It's what is that? Green Bay Packers. Nice. Big Bears win. Rubbing in your face, JR. 
That's right. It's like, isn't it kind of funny how I mean the season just started and it's just the same old NFC North. It's, it's a lot of fun. You Molly, you're not a yeah. Bears fan or anything, right? No, I'm not. You're not even really a football fan. Not. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. edit that second part out. So you're you're a big Packers fan. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Go Pack. <laughs> so yeah, I'm working on uh, it's a it's a another local beer from Arvada here, Arvada, Colorado. Ghost Drifter Pale Ale, American style Pale Ale, yeah, uh, from Odyssey Brew Works. Fantastic. Fantastic. Cheers to you. Cheers. Man. Cheers. Uh, so this will be interesting. We've never had uh, two guests, so basically three people. Now we got two people over here sharing uh, a microphone and earbuds. Um, so we'll, we'll try not to talk over each other, but at the same time, we want this to be a conversation, free flowing. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff we can talk about. There's a lot of experience in the virtual room here um, with Facebook ads. Um, so th- there's a lot of stuff going on that I want to make sure we hit on. And uh, honestly, Molly, Molly I think, and, and Andrew probably too, you both have already some experience with things that I don't uh, because you, you're on more of the agency side um, and get uh, tuned into things uh, that, that only certain people get in the early stages. One of those things is conversion lift. And um, Molly, I know you're the only, I think you're the only one handling this right now, right? Andrew? Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. Want, you want to tell us what conversion lift is and, and what your experience is with that so far? Definitely. So the conversion lift test, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a few different lifts that you can get. The one that I've been focusing on is the value of a view. So I have a lot of clients who really care about click-only conversions. But as we all know, when you go into Facebook, you have the option to add that 24-hour mm-hmm. view. And you see CPAs come down quite a bit. Um, you see just much better performance when you add in the 24-hour view. Now, we know some of those views are a result of our Facebook ads. And the question is, how many, what percentage of the views should we be taking credit for? So Facebook, really cool, has come up with a way to figure that out. So it's the the conversion view lift test, basically you create a separate ad account. You can't have any other ads run in the ad account for 28 days. Um, and so it's just the lift test. You upload an audience, can be a lookalike audience, it can be a custom audience, but you want at least you know, 6 million people in it. it. Needs to be pretty big because you're cutting it in half. Facebook is going to take half of it, random sample of 50% kind of keep it on their end and those people will not see your ad, then the other 50% do see your ad. And then at the end of the four weeks, which is how long the lift test, you see how many, the difference between um, the view conversions of the people who saw the ad and the people who did not see the ad. Um, And you kind of get a percentage there. It's really cool, it's useful. Um, There are some downfalls to it. Uh, in my experience, I, I typically, I do a lot with uh, direct response advertisers. So we do a lot of OCPM bidding and CPC bidding. Um, with the lift test, you need to be doing CPM for reach because mm. your goal is to reach as many of those people as you can. So that's kind of means our CPAs have been higher in our experience. CPCs have been really high. CPAs have been really high. But you do get a very valuable learning, but it's it's not cheap to get that learning. So this is only... The, only based on views, you're saying? Yeah, so what we've done is the view lift test. I believe okay. there are a few other ones, but that's the one that I've done. And 
what is the, I mean, on the view test, what, you, what have been some of the results that you've seen from it initially? Yeah, so the first time, so I've done it, we're about to launch our third one. So the first time we did it, the views came back and it was maybe a 20% lift. Um, so about, you know, if you had 100 views come through in a day, you could take 20 of those and credit them to Facebook. The second time, it was a little bit less than that. It was about 10%. Um, and I think the reason is because the first time we were doing it with a direct mail lift or direct mail audience. So they, everybody was getting served a direct mail mail piece. Hmm. Um, and so it kind of impacted results. So then we switched to just standard lookalikes. Interesting. Now, I, I, if I'm if I'm looking confused, it's just because this is the, the, the probably the best way I've heard it explained before. And I, did, I completely misunderstood really what this was based on the other explanations that I saw. So, um, cause I didn't realize it was, uh, for, for view only. Um, yeah. So yeah. when I read the piece that Facebook put out in their little news section yeah. a few days ago, it was, it was definitely confusing. Um, and I, I think that maybe that's different than what we've been doing. Okay. Um, but what they, they are calling what we're doing a conversion lift test. Um, so I do think that there's multiple ones floating around. I think that maybe the one that they wrote about is going to open up to the public and more general audience soon. Um, the view through lift test has a pretty high price on it. It's like a hundred K minimum for the month on that oh, one. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they're really advertising that one. And so, that one. And, and how long have you been doing this? Cause I know that they, like you said, they, they just announced recently kind of some changes, some upgrades to conversion lift as well. So are, is this from the old school conversion lift or the, yeah. the new one that you've been doing? I think, um, I think I've been doing the older version. We first did our, we did our first one in April. Um, we just wrapped up our second one and we have a, another launch, one launching in a few weeks. So we'll see if that one's different at all. Um, Facebook's super transparent about the results. As soon as you reach that uh, statistically significant mark, yeah. you have a separate section within ads manager that opens up right. that shows you uh, your results uh, the test first control, which is really cool. Well, I, and I think it's important to think about here when we talk about this, which is what's the implication for people that are smaller advertisers where, mm -hmm. you know, it's always interesting to think like, where's Facebook going? And on this one, it's, it's, it's obvious that we all know as Facebook advertisers, one of the things that we have as a challenge is, uh, is showing results right off the bat. And we talked about that in a couple podcast episodes ago about expectations. And it, we know our, our value is much higher. And so this is actually a good thing that Facebook is doing lift tests mm -hmm. because it could very well be that down the road, you know, we're, we're gonna have the ability to see within the reporting, you know, what, some, what actually the lift was. Yep. Even, even in stuff that maybe we can't measure directly. Because mm -hmm. that actually, you know, all, all this goes back into something we know that everyone, no matter how much you're spending, struggles with a little bit, which is attribution. Right. Yeah. And and based on my understanding of the the new conversion lift, um, you don't need to compare it. Like, and again, I, I I can't even imagine how this works, but it doesn't need to be compared to this dummy account anymore. Like a, it, it you can basically compare ads that are they're running side by side. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure yeah. how the new one works. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there are definitely some changes in there, but end of the day, I mean, 
I think one of the, like, like kind of what Andrew's saying, I mean, one of the biggest struggles that advertisers and brands, marketers, whoever have is, is showing value and showing the impact that they, that they are, they are making. Um, so, and, and I guess the other thing I heard was this, it was also involved was the, the offline sales somehow. Are you involving offline sales at all? I'm not. Um, they asked us when we were setting it up what percentage of our sales are like over the phone. We're basically not online, so offline. Um, and for the account that I've been doing it in, it's almost none. So we didn't really go down that path at all. You know, one thing that's really interesting on the offline piece, I think it's, I think it's fascinating that Facebook hasn't come up with another product yet like the Facebook offer. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to set up an offer, nobody does them anymore. They're a huge pain. You have to do it publicly on the page. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. And there, there really isn't another product for offline offers, I don't think, that's, that's really, other than, you know, I suppose you could do a thing that says, like, show this on your phone. Yeah. But there isn't really one that's for that other than offers. And I just think there's got to be one to do that. But that's, we're getting off the top. No, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, in, in particular, I was thinking about it with offline offers, I think, or not offers, but offline sales. I, mean, I think this is one more way to show value in our impact with Facebook ads because <clears throat> essentially, again, this is my understanding, which apparently is completely completely off uh, in some ways in terms of how this works. But if you upload your offline sales, Facebook will then, with this conversion lift, match up and, 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 and look at those who bought offline and try to find conversion lift that way too. I, does that sound imagine, familiar? Um, I would imagine if they're trying to do it, they would, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. what do you think, Molly? Yeah, I think it makes sense that if you are like uh, some sort of e-commerce brand and have a lot of in-store sales, yeah. um, you're going to want those attributed back to Facebook. I know I've seen Facebook ads for like a clothing store that has a sale and just seen it, not clicked on it, and gone to the store and purchased. And that is 100% because of the Facebook ads. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but you're saying right now, the, the, with what you've been doing, they're really high audiences that you require to use? Really yeah, because you're cutting it in half. Yeah. And then um, you're also, even with CPM for reach, we're still only reaching about 50% of that audience just because people aren't logging in. You know, yeah. One thing or another, we're not bidding right. Something's going on. So it, it gets cut down quite a bit. So we've been doing like the 4% lookalikes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So at the end of the day, it seems as though it's a really good tool for showing impact. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you it may not be the ideal way to run ads if you're looking for the conversion. Yeah. So it's definitely not something that we're going to, you know, always have running. It's kind of like, okay, let's say that views are, we can attribute 15% of views. So then moving forward on all of my regular campaigns, I'll be taking 100% of the click-throughs, conversions, and 15% of the view-throughs. And we know it's 15% because we ran these three lift tests, and that's what it averaged out to. Right. And I guess if if part of your strategy, especially for larger brands, uh, is, is simply awareness, then this is yeah. where you should be testing it out um, with some awareness ads. So. Interesting. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit to something else that I don't have that uh, I think Molly, you just know, I don't think you've been doing much with this yet, but you know more than I do on it. 
And uh, so, so again, Andrew, you're just kind of the third wheel today, but but you can feel free. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to have an expert on the, on the podcast with it. But it, it, it was a topic that uh, Facebook announced, a new feature Facebook announced within the last, I don't know, a couple months, but I haven't seen it yet, called lead ads that uh, essentially, um, and Facebook has come out with various variations, I think, it's like little tests on this, but allow you to um, collect an email address uh, without someone leaving Facebook. I mean, how, yep. So what, what is it from the inside view? What, what, what do we need to know about this? Yeah, so we got in touch with one of our Facebook reps and said, hey, we're really interested in the, the new lead ad. Um, and they put it into our account. And it's actually pretty complex. It's a lot more complex than I was expecting. Um, so when you build it, it's a new campaign objective lead. Um, and then you do your standard targeting, whatever kind of targeting you want. And then when you go and actually build the ad out, you're presented with, um, it's, it's a list, but it has probably upwards of 25 different, maybe even more options of what you can have in that ad um, for what you're collecting. So first name, last name, mm. address, email, oh, really? and you just check whichever box you want. Um, and then you also have the option to like type in your own uh, but that won't be autofilled. The person will have to go and enter uh, it in themselves. Um, and then you, you know, save it however you want and, and launch the ad. Again, I haven't actually launched that. I just have it in the account. Right. So I have had results come through. Um, a question we have that we're trying to get answered is where do the email addresses yeah. actually go? That's what I was about <laughs> to ask you. Yeah. Well, would, they've got to go into audiences, right? I, mean, I don't think so. I don't, because the point is that you get them to use them for right, your business. to be a lead, right. Yeah, and you can't export an audience from Power Editor or Ads Manager. So I think, and this is just based on something that I heard from somebody who heard from somebody who heard, that they get emailed in an Excel file to the mm. admin of your Facebook page. Okay. So, <laughs> but it would make, wouldn't it make more sense, uh, especially since they already have some Mailchimp integration, if this worked with Mailchimp and then automatically moved over into the list of your choice? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I think that this ad unit is really. Um, I think it's going to be a game changer eventually. I actually have read. John, your blog post on it and sent it to many people who have asked about it because I mm. think it's incredibly well written. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a game changer, but I think it's really like in the beginning phases. It may have been even released a little too soon. Like, where mm. are the email addresses going? Nobody really knows. Hmm. Are there privacy issues with having it sent to like whoever randomly is the admin of a Facebook account? Probably. Um, how do you upload it into your system? There's a lot of questions that I still need to answer before I launch it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, th but this could absolutely be a game changer. I mean, when you think about it right now, um, and this is, so there, there's, a, there's positives and negatives to a lot of this stuff. So whether it's buying entirely in Facebook or if it's getting an email address entirely in Facebook or, I mean, again, there, I guess there are three, three things that Facebook is doing recently that keep people in Facebook. Um, and that's the other one is the, uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, instant articles to to keep people there and so on one hand it can be seen as a negative for a marketer that oh they're not coming to my site or whatever and and so that definitely is something to be I want to say concerned about but to consider when you're talking about um, instead of 
driving people to a landing page for a product, you have the buy button keeps them all there because I do all kinds of remarketing for people who land on my landing page, and which is really effective. Like it's that first ask for a buy that necessarily isn't that effective. It's the remarketing that works great, and it's same similar things, but not probably as big of a deal for the lead ads. You're not driving to a landing page, so you don't have a pixel on that to remarket to. Now, I feel like I'm just talking a lot here about nothing, but there, there, there's got to be some sort of remarketing, I'm guessing, that Facebook will roll out eventually based on the interaction someone has with that lead ad or buy button or whatever, too. Oh, I, I would, yeah, I think absolutely. There, there has to be. Even what's interesting about it to me is, you know, Facebook is... Uh, is, is continuing as, as Josh, uh, constant whatever team from TechCrunch, yep. continuing their dominance towards taking over the web. And they want to try to keep people there as much as possible. And uh, and so if you can you know fill it out on Facebook, buy on Facebook, it, that's what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and because what's in it, even, even small stuff, it's really interesting about just that satisfaction that if it takes you less time, you're going to want to do it. I mean, even Absolutely. small stuff in e-commerce, you know, like not something I had really done a lot of. Um, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it, but which is, you know, sending people for a conversion, sending them directly to the product page of the, instead of the landing page with mm -hmm. all of the products on it, sending them to the actual product that's in the image. Yep. <laughs> of course. I, I, I'd only done that like, I don't know, 10 to 20% of the time, really. <laughs> And so it's in, in a couple of accounts and it's been huge in terms of doing things. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to like making it easier. Yep. And, um, and lot, there's so many of us that launch ads, I think, and you're like, yeah, I'll send them to this landing page. And it's like, yeah, well, like, yeah. is that, let's send, it, let's send them to our homepage, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, just, and it's like, okay, well, the, your top banner takes over the you know, three th thumb scrolls, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, anyway, I, do, I know that's, that's off topic. No. But I think the, lead, the lead thing is, is generally within that stripe, which is making it easier and faster for yep. the user. And I think it, the, I, I'm glad to hear that there's a customization field. Yeah. Too. yeah. What, do you, I, what do you think about their future? Um, I, I think John had a great point in that you can't remarket right now. Um, and I know we've kind of talked about like, well, there has to be something, you know, like with the video posts, you can remarket to people who have viewed right. the video. Um, so is there going to be something like that? Maybe people who have clicked it, but, but didn't, didn't com complete it, it right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my question is more about the value of the leads that are coming through. I think when mm. you click on it and send somebody to a site and they take the time to fill it out, that's much more valuable of a lead than somebody who clicks a, a button and it autofills. Mm. Um, and so then the question is like, does the cost per lead, since it's presumably going to be much less, will it back out to, to something that's just as valuable as somebody who takes the time to go and explore your site? Um, yeah. And so that's kind of something else I've been thinking about. And, and will they even recognize who you are? When, yeah. When they get, yeah. Do when they, they even know what they're signing up for? You, yeah. There's not too much text. Well, I think I think this is a case where, like, personally, I hate double opt-in and I try to avoid it at all costs on my site. But this is where it may make sense to have. If if I assume Facebook, would, it it would work. Like, if they're automatically added to some list that you could force, a, I don't know, some sort of double opt-in, just to increase the quality. Because I would I would absolutely worry about that if it's entirely done within Facebook. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those things. I mean, Facebook rolls out some stuff that scares the crap out of marketers, but it's actually good. I think this is an example of that. Like, we'll, we will have to adjust and change because if something's good for the user, which I don't know how any of these three things, instant articles, lead ads, and the, the buy button, how any of those three things are bad for the user. Right. They're just yep. not. So they, they make it easier um, to consume content, to get that opt-in, to buy a product. Um, so we, we should, that's actually a good thing in a lot of ways. Now we lose some control. We lose some branding um, in some cases. Um, now the one thing I worry about like with the, the product, the buy button, and even the lead ads is that you know on a landing page, you can provide a whole lot more information. Um, so like with the product, you want to send them to that landing, especially, I feel like that would be good for like this, the, the lower price product. But in general, like if someone needs to commit a bunch of money, um, I don't know how much space within a lead ad that you're given to, to describe a product, but if there's, we're definitely having to change, you know, the, the typical squeeze page, right? Where it's like explain big button to buy, explain big button here are a bunch of people who love the product big button you know all that kind of stuff with and it's just gonna be this one little ad and so again it's a matter of adjusting so how do we make that little ad effective yeah so we have to adjust. yeah i think um one other thing that i've been thinking about with the lead ad because it is really interesting to think about is like i think initially when i launch it it's it's going to be huge for retargeting people who have purchased from your site, but maybe haven't signed up for your newsletter, they're already familiar with your brand. You don't need to prove anything to them. You know they're valuable. Get them to sign up. I think that's huge. And then just continue to use the standard link post for uh, your acquisition campaign. Send them to your site. Send them to a sign up page on your site that you know works until you've like tested and seen the lead ad actually perform. Holy crap, Molly. I'm so glad we have you on here because <laughs> Instead of just really Andrew, because <laughs> no, really, this, this, this brings up a really valuable point in that absolutely you should still be sending people to your website, still be sending people to your landing page, but this is used for a specific purpose, targeting the right people. So kind of like I was talking about, like I, I talk about um, how I promote my Power Hitters Club, how I have the first ad that's introducing the product, driving to the landing page. And that one has a really terrible cost, well, not terrible, but comparatively so, bad cost per acquisition, but it has a purpose of driving them to the to landing page and kind of sorting out who's actually interested. And then I remarket with a series of four different ads to those people who have actually been to the landing page over, over eight days. And those are ridiculous. Like I get like, and this is again, you know, recurring revenue, and I get like $5 per, per conversion. Point being, I should still have that first ad going out, driving people to the landing page, but that those next four ads should probably be the buy button type of thing, yep. where I just try to get the conversion. They've already seen the landing page. They know what it's all about. I don't need to drive them back there anymore. Yep. And same thing with the, the lead ads. It's like, um, if they know who I am, uh, if they've been to my website, and then you might want to like sque- squeeze in the uh, duration a little bit, that they've been to this site recently as opposed to 180 days, but they've been to the site so they know who you are. So there's not going to be this confusion about what the hell, who is this guy when you start sending yeah. them email and stuff. I, that's really, yeah, really, really valuable points there. Awesome. Um, 
Andrew, what do you have to say about all this? I mean, I think I've been, I think I've been on here. I think, I think I'm being replaced. Everything I know is because of Andrew. Oh, wow. That's, that's me too. That's me too. And, and this podcast is sponsored by Digital. Exactly. All right. So we can shift gears a little bit, but really, I, I, I'm glad we, we had that discussion because I, that I am looking now at, at the lead ads and the buy now buttons a little bit differently than I was before. And that actually, I think it opens up some opportunities. I'm looking forward to actually getting them. I don't have them. Um, but let's shift gears a little bit. Let's just stay on topic um, of ads and whether it's conversions or otherwise, but optimizing and bidding. You know, there's so many people, first of all, who come to me and all they do is CPC. I think they come from the, the Google world. And they only see, do CPC. They don't try the CPM or optimize CPM. Um, or they only do optimize CPM. They never override. Or the other way around. I mean, so there's basically there's so many different ways to bid. Um, I mean, what do you what do you both? Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you because I know this is actually a topic that you, that you enjoy talking about as well. Well, you know, and I've actually gotten a lot of information uh, and ideas from Molly on this. And I think one thing that the Facebook advertisers um, we've had struggles with is launching some ads and then they're not getting any traction. Yeah. You launch it OCPM and you're like, why is my ad only spend like $4 a day? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, my old methodology was if I knew, if I knew that a site converted, I could go and bid you know, twice the CPC, four times the CPC and oh, and win every auction. Um, and that, you know, and that doesn't really work all the time. And so my new, so there's two different things that I've been doing that have been extremely helpful to me. Um, the, the, the most helpful is doing within optimized CPM and then setting a manual override on the bid. So I call that the OCPM override. You got to say it like that. <laughs> override. And uh, if somebody tweets that to me, I will literally send you, if somebody tweets override. How, how do you spell that? Eyes, oh, okay, okay. O V E R I I I I I. Who's the only one R? Override. Okay. Ah. Somebody actually tweets that to me at Andrew Fonso on Twitter. I will literally send you a gift. I don't Whoa! Know that is, yeah. Wow! Ready, I'm going to tweet that. You also have to share your address with yeah. Andrew, which can be dangerous. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Start a PO but, box. <laughs> but, uh, but um, and it may just be a virtual gift, like a meme. But I'm just yeah. saying. But, but, but that override is uh, is something that's really valuable. And so, let's say a CPA goal is thirty dollars. Um, Facebook recommended um, when was it? You and I talked about this. They recommended a maybe a month ago, two months ago, that you do four x the CPA goal. Um, so, if your CPA goal is twenty dollars, you actually do the override for eighty dollars. <laughs> for eighty dollars. Right. And what actually is interesting is um, that has, you can, it's not, you don't need to be that aggressive actually. And I think if you have a $20 CPA, you can bid something like $40, $50, or you can even start slow and bid $35. And, and you know, you do want to bid above the goal. Um, but because what you'll get is you'll get conversions for much lower cost. And, um, and so that's been a really valuable thing in, in, for me in, in website conversions and actually in mobile app installs as well. Mobile app installs is, is also an entirely different bidding game. If, you're, if your cost per installation goal is 
$10, you probably don't want to bid $15 greater. You probably want to bid, you know, $5 greater because there's bigger swings to it. But I've seen that that's really, that has actually been really good. And then the other thing is, um, is having it, looking at your historical CPCs and Molly, actually, you should talk more about this. Um, but looking at your historical last couple of months or last couple of weeks, cost per click actually, and bidding competitively. So if it's 92 cents, then bid 91 cents. And because then you're entering yourself into an auction in a competitive format, but you're also looking for clicks in that competitive format. So, um, so that's kind of a, a you know, something that has been helpful in terms of stability for me. Yep. And I think uh, a lot of us have been feeling that Facebook has been a little bit less stable lately in terms of getting conversions. And so those are some of the tricks, but you should talk about yes. the override <laughs> or the CPC bid. Override. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I call it manual bidding on OCPM, but I'll, I'll switch it up and call it OCPM override. <laughs> um, so when I, I think bidding is one of the most important parts of Facebook advertising. I think it can really change performance dramatically. Um, and I think anybody who does DR ads knows that OCPM for conversions is probably the, the best bidding type. Um, the issue is volume. So let's say you have an audience of a million people. The people who fall into the OCPM for conversion category is only going to be about 10% of that. Mm -hmm. So now you have an audience of like 100,000 people and reach is small. You can't scale on it. So what I've been doing lately is uh, actually launching larger lookalikes from the beginning, you know, 5 to 8%, which is something I would yeah. never recommend a few months ago. That makes a lot of sense, um, yeah. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, and doing OCPM for conversions and really kind of trusting Facebook to find those people who are going to convert. Um, in terms of setting the bid, exactly what Andrew said, starting with the higher, higher override, override. Um, because you need, so I've talked to Facebook a few times about bidding and, and what happens with OCPM is you need 25 on a, you need roughly 25 conversions on a one day click attribution. Okay. So per ad that's set at the ad ID level. Oh, wow. So if you have like five ads within an ad set, then each of those is going to have to convert 25 times per day on a one day click for, for what, um, in order for Facebook to be able to optimize it, because so why, why would the ad matter if they know who is converting i guess well why, why exactly so that's something that i've we i thought for the longest time it's at the ad set level right. because it's a targeting question or, or so not even that matter. but at, at the pixel level so the difference with that is you don't know who you're targeting i feel like if you have an ad set targeting small business owners the people who convert from that ad set are going to look so different than if you have an ad set targeting young parents. Um, and so I don't think you can really optimize at the account level. I think it should be at the ad set level. I've been told it's at the ad level though. Um, 25 conversions in at the one, ad day, level in one day, which is insane. I mean, Nobody most of my accounts that. don't get that unless yeah. your CPA is like $2. Um, but that's why you need to be bidding high so that Facebook has the room to kind of play around and send your ad to people who aren't actually converting. Um, and so, yeah, I do that four times 
four times the bid and like then I do five times the bid as oh, a budget. So you really go much higher in terms of that overhead. Yeah, unless like what you said, unless it's a small CPA, like if you're at a $20 CPA goal, then I'll bid like $40, $50 and see how it pans out. Um, a lot of your CPA goals are much higher. Like $150. Yeah. So they were bidding like 300 400 Okay. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the people I deal with, it's e-commerce and it's between 20 and Twenty and a hundred bucks. You yeah, know? and and so it's a it's a lot smaller. Yeah, bit. I just like double it then. Yeah, interesting. I think I think how you do this depends a lot on the size of your audience and the amount of your budget. Yep. Because it's like for my own brand, I'm I'm typically spending ten thousand dollars and under uh, per month. And if if I'm doing that, and I've got an audience of like if I use my website custom audience of like 500,000 people, um, I've got a lot to work with and Facebook can optimize and I have really no issues whatsoever with Facebook's optimized CPM, whether it's um, for a lead or for for a purchase. Um, so, you know, it, I think it works really, really well. But now if I really wanted to scale that and if I want to spend $20,000 or $30,000, $50,000 a month, then I might run into some problems. So I, th yeah. I think that those are some really good good tips in terms. So four times the the lead value value said the value of the conversion, the CPA goal. But it I mean it varies so much. Like sometimes I'll do that and it still won't be spending, so I'll increase. Sometimes I'll do it and CPAs will be too high, so I'll decrease. But yeah. that's like the benchmark for well, starting. Well, and what I what I think is interesting is you know I was and Facebook talks about this way too, which I was really cool, happy to see in some of their presentations I was seeing lately. He's always looking at it and thinking about levers. What are mm -hmm. the levers you're going to pull that day? Yeah. And, and and so one of them is, and, and one that I don't think, I mean, a year ago, you and I have been advertising <laughs> on Facebook what, for, you know, together for at least three or four years. Yeah. And like, you you never pulled on that bidding lever very much. Never. And so <laughs> in, the, in this year, though, in 2015 has been the year that you really it's are. It's been my main one. Yeah, that's been your main level. And so I think, What's interesting about it is they actually also, if that C, if that OCPM override was let's say forty bucks, they had a, a regulation about a month and a half ago where your budget had to be double that, yeah. and they've now taken that away. Oh, I, I didn't that? notice that. Yeah, so they've <laughs> taken it away, so you, your budget had to be double it, which I thought was wait, crazy wait, because you see, you're saying it doesn't have to be anymore. It doesn't have to be. No, you're you're able to launch it. And not well, in in and so I. I haven't seen that on the OCPM side, but I've seen that on the CPM. And, and, okay. and uh, I don't do CPC much, but CPM and daily unique reach. So I'd be surprised that that double isn't still there. That double requirement isn't still there. I have I have the requirements been taken out of all my accounts because it was because for me it was like oh man like I want to bid high but I yeah. don't want to bid well eighty dollars a day. Yeah. I mean, kind of give me an example of why how I use that. So. Um, I use OCP. Like I said, I mean, I have no issues with it because I get it dis distributed as, as much as I need personally. Um, and so I use OCPM for a lot of stuff. But like for that example where I send people to the landing page, uh, the first one I'll do OCPM. And sometimes I'll just do optimize for clicks. It depends. I'm not even sure what I'm running right now on that one. But it's a larger audience sending them to a landing page. And then anyone who goes to the landing page, I want to hit all those people. So I'll, I'll bid CPM in that case. And um, I think the, the suggested bid for that is like between a dollar and two dollars. 
and I'm bidding $10, if not more than that, and then uh, putting a budget per ad set, then double that. But I get nowhere close to that, which is fine. I just want to make sure I reach as many of those people as possible. Right. You want to, you're reaching the qualified people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think what's, what for me has been helpful is it's, it's been steadying. It's been, it's been very, um, it evens things out to do that more. And the competitive CPC bit is really an interesting thing too, that I've done some experimenting with. It's actually did, did pretty well in some accounts and, um, and not in mobile app installs, it, it, but I mean, you said you guys have had some success with that. So that's, those are some levers that those of you that are listening, I think, can try in terms of pulling those out. Yeah. So I want to just give a shout out to those of you that are listening to this on a run. Because many, many people have emailed that they listen to our podcast here when they're on a run. So I just want to tell you out there that you can do it. Okay. You are amazing. And, and you're an incredible person. So just keep it up. We're all really proud of you. One more mile. So you know, I've, I've got the treadmill behind me. I should have done this whole podcast drinking a beer on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a bad country song. Drinking a beer on the treadmill. So what was that six percent you're drinking there? Because yeah, uh, it's it's five percent. I think it's starting to kick, <laughs> starting to kick in. Um, man, I, like we've already been on for over 30, 35 minutes. Um, I don't want to cut this short. If there's anything that we need to talk about, so. Uh, and Andrew, I don't care about you. Molly, is there anything particular that you really want? Because I know we talked about lookalikes and Instagram. Is there anything of those two things that you really want to talk about today? Um, I think that there's a, I, I think I like to talk about lookalikes briefly. That's yeah, okay let's with do that. that. Let's do that. Uh, so lookalikes, one of the best targeting, if not the best targeting option on Facebook outside of WCA. Um, mm. I used to just ask my clients to send me a list of like their top LTV users, 10 to 15,000 of them, and we'd upload that and create a 1% lookalike. Recently, I've started to get a lot more specific. So if I'm advertising a specific product, a lookalike off of people who have purchased that, as long as it's uh, post-match 1,000 people, so as long as after you upload it, you have 1,000 people. So really, really narrowed targeting. Um, and, and we've seen that work really well uh, for some of my clients. I mean, just because somebody purchases, you know, 10 products off your site doesn't mean they're going to be interested in the specific product that you're purchasing. And that's why I think the top LTV doesn't necessarily always work out. Hmm. I also have another client that's like geo specific. They only um, can advertise in specific cities. And so we've started creating which makes our reach super small. It's difficult to scale when you can only target people in San Francisco and Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and so I created a lookalike audience off of, for example, the San Francisco users. And Facebook, being the genius algorithm that it is, realized pretty quickly, hey, everybody that was uploaded was from San Francisco. Mm. So our 1% and 2% were a lot larger from the San Francisco audience than when we created just the the top user audience. So um, that's the one thing I've always wondered, like how smart is Facebook about that? Obviously they are. So yeah. if, if you didn't narrow down the geography, how much of that was in San Francisco and where, where, where were they distributed that look alike? Yeah, so we uploaded an audience that was 100% San Francisco. Um, and the 2% or the 1% look alike, which should be about 2 million people, was 800,000, so it was at like 42% or so. Um, and so I think 
when we had done the nationwide, we were closer to like 120,000. Hmm. So we got about 300,000, almost 20% more or so. I'm really bad at math. The fact that you said, wait, you just said forty-two percent. Uh, it's like it's something like like forty-two percent. That that's really specific. That's really specific. So it's in there. It's in there. So oh, yeah, so I mean, just keep playing around with those like, so, like audience. Don't yeah, that's it. and that's that's interesting. Is not he's not taking the entire customer list, but actually breaking it out and, yeah. and and having it be more specific to product. I mean, that that's something that is really. That's fascinating. And or like category, I, people I, like who have purchased a specific, like your top um, purchasers of a specific overall category, um, as opposed to top purchasers of a site. Sure. We're seeing, I mean, it, it's like crushing it right now. Um, I also almost never have a seed audience greater than 5,000 people now, which six mm -hmm. months ago, I was like 10,000 to 15,000. That's where so you want to be. So smaller seed audience is good, better because they can model more information Exactly. So, but it, but there's there's a tough line there. I mean, you need quality, and but you need some quantity because you can't just have. I mean, what's the minimum? One hundred for for a lookalike to create a lookalike. Yeah, I wouldn't do less than a thousand yeah. after math. So, so about okay. three thousand upload. So so an, a thousand plus of high quality, and that's also a challenge. So a lot of people will create a lookalike off like because they they have a small email list or whatever, so they yeah. they, they can't be picky. And then that impacts the quality of their, their look like. Yep. Yep. And when that's like something else I've done, um, you know, I'll get uh, an account that's a brand new brand. So they don't have anyone. Um, so we start doing lookalikes off of people who have visited the site from Facebook. Hmm. Um, and we see that work pretty well, just, you know, adding in the UTM tag um, and then creating the WCA audience. Very smart. All right, I think uh, Andrew. I don't know what you're watching right now. What are you doing over there? I'm just, I'm just checking some things out. <laughs> I'm just doing, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just, you know, some people are tweeting at me. They're just saying, "I can't wait in anticipation for this podcast." <laughs> awesome. Well, what I can't wait for is you paying this bill. I just, I don't know if you just heard. We got a last call, and uh, and I just asked bartender for our tab. And, and Andrew, thank you. You're gonna take care of this one. You know what? I'm picking it up. And, you know, I just want you to know I got it. All right. Since you're paying it, Andrew, where can people find you? People can find me at, at Andrew Foxwell on Twitter or foxwelldigital.com. And what's what's you're gonna give something away or something? What's happening this week? Well, I mean, I think we always put a little we always put a little fun nugget at the end of the episode, and I think one thing we talked about is. Uh, bidding on this one and so um, if you're if you're into talking a little bit more about bidding and some of the strategies um, and, and actually kind of seeing some of the results uh, from that you can feel free to email me and I'll get some of that, get some of that over to you. Awesome. Molly, where can everybody find you? <laughs> um, email is probably the easiest. <laughs> Molly at 3qdigital.com um, our agency site is 3qdigital.com my Twitter handle is at Molly underscore McCurdy. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for joining me this week. This was a lot of fun. It was, this was super fun. It was great. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Awesome. This so, was great. Yeah, and thank, thanks, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next time, do awesome things. We're out.